0: But Lover Show's raced away with 100 to go and it's going to bolt in in the blue diamond. Lover Show wins by two and a half length. Street Cafe in front, being ridden for dear life. Street Cafe's going to hang on and win. And Brendan's broken back. Street Cafe's one at a Nectar fair. But it's... Is flying home. Star Witness has got up to win. What a huge win! Don't my love, my love. Don't don't Extreme Choice in front. Flying Artie with a length and a half to make, up 100 left to go. Extreme Choice is going strongly though, and he'll score. Extreme Choice two lengths to Flying Artie. Big Vanilla from the leaving it late, but starting to fly home. Pariah the leader. Catchy starting to flash home. Pariah in front. Catchy. catchy got him. catchy the great billy, has got up and beaten Pariah. She don't need diamonds. But Corsa's blitzing them. She's raced away. And Corsa wins the blue diamond stakes by three or four lengths. And it's plain as great to what you say. Hurricane Sky and Nick in front and Hurricane Sky will win it. Hurricane Sky from Mr. Vitality by Choice after testa Redout's Choice has grabbed the lead, 50 to go, draws away, and Redout's choices has won the diamond. To Here comes Alinghi sailing up the middle of the track, Waiter in front, Alinghi strike by strike, she's a mighty billy, and Alinghi beats Waiter by her. But it is Sepoy who's bolted away now with the blue diamond, opening up four links. Hello, well Bell running on well, but it's all Sepoy getting home hard masthead. But Sepoy bolted at the diamond by man. Five links. And Artorias is flying at the 50. Artorias counts as bombs him and wins. Artorias for ingratiating fun.
1: on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie.
2: G'day, thanks for buying our preview edition of the fantastic Blue Diamond Meeting, bit of Chris Rea and some of the greats of yesteryear to kick us off with Vince Accardi from Daily Sectionals. Good morning, mate.
1: Hey, good morning, Rolfie.
2: Oh, is it octagon or are we in the in the ring? Which one? The squared circle.
1: <laughs> oh, Octagon's always the best with the modern age thinking in it.
2: <laughs> Absolutely right. So before we get into Caulfield, we did promise a bonus race of the Hobartville at, uh, at Rose Hill on a uh, on what might be a heavy track. So we'll actually have to keep this reasonably tight. But there's some really good two uh, sorry three-year-olds. Colts. Rather, This will be the main lead-in for the round with Guineas in two weeks' time. Of course, Militarized ran second earlier uh, this week uh, to to the superstar and fangirl. But the market's saying that Tom Kitten is going to progress. You said after the, his first up run, Tom Kitten was going to progress. And really, him and NCAP are the two class horses to date. What's your expectation levels tomorrow, assuming we've got a slow track and we'll obviously talk business tomorrow? What you, you, Do you feel it might be worse than that? Well, I'm saying we don't know. <laughs> it's, it's what we do. The, the, weather, the Bureau's predicting good weather today and tomorrow. Good rain, that is.
1: Yeah. Well, look, Volandi's just worked out how to make a more run at Ascot <laughs> or work out how to stop the rain. Yeah,
2: that's his, that's his next bit of, uh, bit of bit of work.
1: Well, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, when you look at it from that perspective and try and bring some clarity. Firstly, Realistically, the majority of horses' their exposure to wet ground is pretty limited, so that's just what to to say
2: about Sydney. (laughs) For
1: yeah, well, what that really means is that it does sort of keep the field even in competition, and you'd like to think that the classiest horse wins. Putting that aside, Tom Kitten and NCAP, they both make a lot of sense, Ralphie. I sort of had a closer observation of Tom kit particularly at the distance I, I sp- the Intel indicates that it's still one runaway in terms of what the expectation could be for this horse and what I mean by run one runaway it's further than the 1,400 metres. At the moment, its profile of 1,400 pretty much sits just borderline benchmark, 0.2 above. We're going to go to Rose Hill, 9th of the 9th, 2023, where it ran third. And when you sort of break that race down... The, the horse did a lot, 2.5 links below benchmark first section, 2.7 links above benchmark between the eight and the four, very strong last 400 metres, plus 5.7. So when you look at that information, it sort of does give you the insight. The horse has had a decent crack at 1,400 metres and obviously... As a, as time progressed, this horse demonstrated how much superior it was over more ground. So that's the caution. What what, what is the price with that horse? Is it's in the black?
2: Uh, well, it is in the black. Yeah, it's in in sort of the mid three range and uh, and end cap about six dollar range. So really, what you're saying, if you're looking at a 1400 meter profile, end cap's got in covered. I, I'm talking purely like at 1400 because of the uh, the uh,
1: amazing performance in the uh, Golden Rose. Well, yes, and then, of course, we've just got to look at what sort of WTI we have because the reality is when I looked at YR and what you just said to me, this is going to be very different to last week. Last week, we knew there was no rain coming. I couldn't believe how they were sort of drumming the beat saying we're going to have wet ground, and it turned out to be the complete opposite. But this is a different situation because if the rain sort of continuous or intermittent – And there's not much of an opportunity like getting that one or one and a half days of dry ground or drying ground. It's hard to get away from that. That doesn't mean, Ralphie, if there was no rain on Saturday that we couldn't end up there. But I looked at YR and YR saying it's going to be a thumper in the afternoon of rain. So we do have to say we're going to be on a wet track. So then I looked at Tom Kitten's WTI. What have we got? We've got a 2.2 from... Uh, where is it here? Here we go. 1.9 well, on genuine heavy ground when it ran fourth. This is Wednesday's back in April 23. So it's that's really not,
2: no indication of what you're saying, okay, so yeah, I guess. No, so it's got that heavy track win. What does that mean, that April April uh 8th win on the heavy ground?
1: April the 8th. Uh, where are we? Oh, here we are. Yeah, okay. So... That win there, the WTI, Ralph has come up 0.7 negative. Now, we have to remember, though, those tracks, it was heavy 10 is an understatement. How about heavy 12, <laughs> something like that? It's, it was complete average. Yeah, bottomless. I mean, raw times, minus 31 lengths. I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. So... I, I want to be a little bit cautious from that perspective, and, and not, I'm not going to throw the horse under the bus from a wet ground point of view, but the reality is we do have at least one run where the horse is better than Benchmark in terms of the WTI, so we've got some capability. And yes, NCAP, the other runner, that sort of makes a lot of sense in terms of its profile, and you have a look at it, the 1,400 metre profile of this particular It just is more robust. We've got one performance, which is 3.3 lengths above benchmark, and that's on the 23rd of the 9th. That was the golden um, rose
2: to militarise. Yep.
1: yep. And then we've got the performance to start before Ralphie over 1,400 metres, and it's plus two. Again, you know, very, very solid in terms of its performances. Hard to sort of knock in terms of where this horse is at, capability-wise, at 1,400 metres. So I guess the question is, it's had the one run. Now, let's look at that run on the 10th of the 2nd. 8.3 lengths below benchmark first section. Excellent move in the mid-race of almost eight lengths. Still travelling a half a length below benchmark. Fantastic last 400 metres, a plus 4.5. That's a beautiful first-up run, and no doubt there's going to be an improver. So the question now is... What's this horse's capability on wet ground? What is it? I mean, if we look at that Warwick farm run where the officials had put that on a wet track, but the reality is you look at the raw times on the day, the performance was benchmark. So there's no way that that track was wet, right? If you're going benchmark, how can it be wet? And WTI obviously came up with a plus six, but the reality is I sort of scored that more like a G4. So if the track, you know, folds all the way backwards, then you know this horse is definitely going to be able to handle that. And also, maybe if the track's wetter, well, there's nothing to say it can't handle it. So it's there's always this level of risk that you have to consider. And we'll talk about, you now the betting aspects of that tomorrow and how myself personally want to take. Because this is a race I actually do want to bet in. My question marks, which we hopefully we'll be able to you know, clarify tomorrow, is we've got to make the separation of ground versus their performances and what's the proper engagement for betting. And then if we move away from that, Ralphie, what have we got? It's hard not to bring celestial legend back to the table, right? Yeah. How can we just dismiss it? I mean, you talked about it last week. I liked some of the things that you said. I Felt that the horse was a much higher probability of running very well. And then I look at the breakdown of the race and just bring it all into consideration. 7.7 lengths below benchmark first section. 0.9 below benchmark between the 8 and the 4. That's still a really good move in the mid-race, Rolfie. And then probably where we didn't see the the big shining light was the 3.8 lengths above benchmark last 400 metres. But... You look at it all. It was all momentum building. It was all acceleration and getting quicker as the race progressed. It's hard to sit here and say, why wouldn't this horse take the next step? So the question is now, with this runner, is how do you handle this horse at 1,400 metres? That's the question, right? And there's nothing in the intel that says it's going to be no good at 14 in fact i feel the opposite i feel this horse is going to be like a shining light at 1400 meters and but possibly we may may start to see what its true potential is at this distance or longer even and just a little sidebar jake
2: karen pacher for he's on fire the
1: past two months <laughs>
2: he, was, he was struggling to ride witness in sydney all of a sudden he's had he's a huge summer uh i'll just Finish off very quickly, DeCasa, we put him in Sizzlers when he won first up. It was a very good performance, but it was a We weren't expecting him straight into this type of situation, but it was on soft ground. So what sort of upside side have you got for DeCasa?
1: Well, obviously for this particular horse at the moment, all the profiles, it's, you know, borderline benchmark. The race matrix is sort of indicating that, it's probably a little bit worse than that, which I don't like it when I see that, right? Because usually I see everything in the opposite direction, that I'm a bit tighter with my score and the Matrix has it a little bit better. <sighs> Who knows? Maybe it's going to be a star on the wet ground, right? Yeah. Maybe. But we look at that run at Rose Hill, first for lifetime start. It's probably unfair, but that's genuine wet ground. This is probably the sort of wet ground... I'm expecting to see somewhere within that range. I mean, that was minus 19, right? 19 lengths below standard. So yeah. we're confident that's a wet track, right? And it was a 2.8 WTI. It was his first race start. Don't want to sort of say that's where the horse is at. The reality is this horse may be a you know just a, a superstar in the wet. Who knows? Maybe there'll be another horse. And this is the challenge, right? Who's the horse? Who's the wet track star? Did you find one, Ralphie? I can't,
2: no. Right, right. All right, okay. so uh, we'll leave it there, but basically it, it seems like from a 1,400 perspective, end caps uh, at this stage, the, your uh, thoughts? We'll talk more. There's more tomorrow from business, but uh, Absolutely. So respecting the up- upside of Celestial Legend and also Tom Kitten on track for the ranwick Guineas. Would that be a fair summary?
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. All right, beauty. Let's get into Caulfield. Uh Nice and easy, four, four meter rail position should be good weather. Uh, we've got a bit of a break from the heat, which means we can just uh, the trackman can reassess and just do his own thing. Twenty one degrees tomorrow, so uh, mild wind. It'll be perfect conditions with the rail out four. How are you expecting the track to play?
1: Well, more of a lot more of what we started to see last at the last Caulfield meeting is that we're going to be into these lanes four. You're traveling two, three off the fence coming around the bend. You're already in seven. It's so easy to get into the lanes from there, Ralph. You just got to find another three spots wider. And we're at the beginning of the the fast lanes. And I do have a high expectations of this is what we're going to see. Of course, in the very small fields, there's a couple of those where maybe the pace might be ridiculously slow. That might be a challenge and we've, probably have to give consideration to the on pace leaders
2: the this two-year-old crops really started to emerge that, that, that's a good thing a couple of times we've done those preview podcasts and we've we, we put the, the blue diamond almost at the back end because uh because really we've had a couple of years where there, there sort of haven't been a lot of a lot of strong data but wow we over the past Month, uh, some real qualities started to emerge. The uh, favourite for the race, in uh, as far as the, the markets concerned, and some interesting moves too. Early in the week, Lady of Octane was was a, almost double the odds. In some places, it's now four eighty. It's second favourite to Coleman, that keeps its spot in the high threes. Bodyguard, sort of around about that $7 range. And uh, and others, including High Octane, who was luckless last start. First off, how are you seeing the speed of the race?
1: Well, typically the speed is usually very, very good, Ralphie. And then when I look at the the structure of the race, there's plenty of evidence to indicate that we are going to be in a situation where it's not possible they're going to run less than plus one. And there's a high probability we're going to be somewhere around the plus three to five range through that first section. So that's going to be nice and tough. What are the chances of any possible slowdown in the mid race? Who's going to be the game person to consider doing that? And I'll have a look at the horses that are on speed and who may want to instigate that. I just can't see it. So I just feel that they're just going to keep running. And sometimes that really helps the on-pace runners, Rolf, He's subject to where you're going to be positioned coming to the 400-metre mark and are you in the lane. So if you're in the strike zone around at the 400, so when we're talking 800, that's the first few hundred metres, you definitely need to be typically three to six lengths from from that lease. But when you get to that 400-metre mark, you don't really want to be giving more than around four lengths from the lead pack particularly if they're running fast through the first two sections because you're not going to be able to take advantage of the lanes, Rob. You're going to be very tired. So this is some favourable opportunity forces. I would say leading, stalking are going to be big edges. Well, one of those leading would be uh, Lady of Camelot in the typical
2: Waterhouse Bot style. We did a little preview podcast after its first up win and I said, well, maybe it will come to Melbourne you said if it will come to Melbourne it'll just about win so this was obviously you know off the top of your head and it was on the on the Monday but and it was but it was your immediate reaction to how good its performance was when it won first up it had come off a dynamic trial which we'd spoken about and at Rose Hill it won comprehensively now that you've had a chance to have a look at the race what's you think how do you think it profiles for 1200 tomorrow
1: well on a performance point of view, if it can repeat that plus 1.4 at 1,100 metres up to 1,200, then this is the excellent starting point. And we know we've got a horse that obviously is going to be leading (laughs) and knowing this table, where else would they want (laughs) him? I looked at the sort of those fractional splits to see if we can gain any further insight. There was that... Subtle slowing between the four and the two of around 0.6 of a length, sort of giving the indication that there could have been a little bit more. And then when I apply the race matrix sort of stress test, just to see how it's trending, race matrix sort of had it below benchmark, but it's probably not the greatest guide for me when there's very limited racing. So the reality is the way I'm sitting here is I'm looking at the raw figures, how well the horses went. The question will be this. What will the rider do through the first critical three or 400 metres? Is he going to really try and become the jet and produce a plus three to five first section? Or is this rider going to be working a lot more to try and run to the speed that it ran at Rose Hill, which is around plus 1.2? If it does that, Ralphie, you know, even slightly faster is fine, right? Then... We've got a fantastic opportunity of this horse being able to run out the 1,200 metres. Remember, everybody's going to be gassed out. So yeah. unless there's a particular horse, which there could be one or two horses that are going to you know, thrive on that. Uh, it's, it's, my challenge is this, Ralphie. I like everything about it. It just doesn't meet my profile for betting. And that frustrates me. This This particular horse, right? So yeah. now I've got to sit back and say, is there anybody else better? Otherwise, it's it becomes a dangerous race for me to throw money at, right? Yep. Let's see. Well, uh, this is what I'm hoping for. When we do our work together, I'm hoping that I can get that separation.
2: Well, the one who's, who's just favourite over, over it is Coleman. Terrific run first up and really showed elevation, which I'll get you to explain through the data. And then the overall question is this. 1,000 metres to 1,200. It's always a head scratcher. I've just looked at some stats that I uh, saw Carl Diario put out from uh, from racing.com. Only four winners since 2000. I've done the 1,000 metre to 1,200 jump. Whenever they win this that chairman's race over the 1,000, they always start tight in the market. So it's it's not the usual route. The usual route is the Blue Diamond Preludes, but, of course, the way you do your work, I know, is you treat every horse and every race individually. So as far as it's... Ability to delete to twelve hundred. What's your forecast?
1: Well, on the on the just the intel that we have and the body of evidence that's in front of us. I mean, also two lifetime starts, right? And the, the Caulfield run. Firstly, let's 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 look at that and have some understanding. This horse has definitely come back a better horse for sure. On a, on, on a few factors. Number one, I see that the horse has dramatically improved on the early speed. It's already was two to three lengths faster than that very first lifetime start. The big the big pluses for me, though, was not only being able to run at that pace, but then also the dramatic improvement the horse made over the last two sections. If you look at particularly between the eight and the four, last start it was 2.4 lengths above benchmark. I mean, it's no you know, skys- uh, skyscraping number above, but the reality is you're going with good speed, It was six and a half lengths faster than its first race start in that section. And then there was no weakness. The horse actually ended up with a 4.4 above last 400. Half length slowdown between the four and the two. And that was 2.4 lengths faster. But I combine them together, Ralphie, and have a look at the overarching number saying, okay, if I combine that last 800 sustained speed, what... improvement have we seen overall and it is a thumper Ralphie it's about eight lengths and that's not even considering how much we want to factor in because it went two and a half lengths faster as well right so that makes it almost a dozen lengths right and then we've got to also give a little bit of consideration for that subtle slowdown between the eight and the four so we have a, a very very different horse so the challenge is this though you know I know there's a stat, and <laughs> it's, it's what was it, 20 races, 20 races. So, imagine putting your life thoughts about <laughs> the 20 stats that that could be quickly. I mean, it's not enough, Ralphie, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Right? You, you run any model, it's a dream. So, it's a dream of bullshit, right, <laughs> is what I mean to say, right? What's more important is this this is every race is new unique and it has its own set of circumstances so the way i like to look at it is like this okay let's say that horse comes out and can travel at 1.4 lengths below benchmark where will that place the horse in running over 1200 well if they're running plus five it's going to be around six lengths off the leader so not impossible is it right Yep. if they're running plus one to three the horse is just outside the stalk zone That's dangerous, especially with this rider. That's very dangerous.
2: Uh, I would think Melham's intent will be to stay in touch.
1: Well, but he'll just naturally be in touch. Exactly, yeah. Right? He just absolutely will naturally be in touch. So, oh, well, maybe that can guarantee better odds, possibly. Maybe that can also um, break the pattern and make it number five of 20. (laughs) I I don't know, Ralphie, because I don't really look at that too much. If it was a thousand stats, I'd be a lot more interested in saying Jesus only four horses out of a thousand. Well, that's not good, right? <laughs> and I'd be nervous. But I, 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 anyone that likes this horse, it's hard to knock. I, I can't knock it in any aspect.
2: Yep. So you got most advantage at the moment in your early edition of Bodyguard, super first up win, and my thoughts are that. They really wanted to put that score on the board, the Group 3 win, because it's a colt. It went for a bomb at the Ealing sales. Bang, that's the box ticked. But can it do it again a fortnight later? Generally, again, I'll go through the stats and you can pull it apart. But the preludes are the, generally the better lead-in, and particularly when the, uh, when the, um, the faster division, and the, these colts have been faster than the Melbourne Phillies leading in, and that's just a logical thing, because the faster horses generally win.
1: Yes, well... Until I got an email yesterday from someone that um, was probably the two horses I was really honing in, so we're still going to hone in on one of them, I was thinking bodyguard, you know, like how much is this horse going to improve from last run was the first thought that I was thinking of. And the email came across and saying that the horse is potentially lame and that's not a good sign. Well,
2: it's a signal versus noise thing, Vince, because, of course, you know, if we had the same discussion we probably did before the Caulfield Cup, Yep. Uh, without a fight was under a vet check as well <laughs> before winning. So, you know, sometimes it's signal, sometimes it's noise.
1: Yep. That's quite possible. The two-year-olds, though, as we know, they're all a race-to-race proposition too.
2: Yes, so yes, fair point.
1: We, we, we've got to take that into consideration under that the, the scenario we're in. And while it's not the be-all and end-all, all information creates – some is of more value than others, right? Yeah. Like, I would have the lameness as more value than the stat, <laughs> right? Yes. But on the flip side, that doesn't mean the horse isn't going to turn up and pass that vet inspection and be fine, right? That could also happen, right? I mean, two rods generally go fast and hard. But firstly, that last star performance, Ralphie, 0.6 above benchmark, race matrix franked it. Good speed through the first section. We talked about Coleman and its first section, but here we are. This horse is going 1.6 lengths below benchmark through the first 600 metres. Not a big move between the eight and the four, but still going faster. Overall, last 400 was above benchmark. But what we did see is we've seen the taper over the last 200 metres of around 1.6 lengths. It was a half a length below benchmark, but it peaked between the four and the two, Ralphie, plus 1.1. Then we've seen the the deterioration. Generally speaking, particularly from this stable, right, you would be looking at this signal as being, oh, man, this horse could jump at least two lengths in improvement from that run to this run, which sets it up as being, Absolutely, the one of the perfect candidates for 1200 and winning. Now, now I'm going to be the opposite side of the coin. Imagine if it is possible that the horse was a bit lame and that was the reason why there was the taper. So, you do have to give that some consideration and say, Oh, well, that's not good, right? So You have to sit down, give that some more thought. We'll wait and see till tomorrow morning and see what actually happens. Obviously, everybody's desperate to run. Hopefully, the horse is spot on and we don't have to worry about it.
2: So, well, I'll go away from the most advantage at the moment and go to the stable mate who was luckless in that race, high octane. We often say, beware the unlucky runner. The what, I, what we can say from a fact point of view is he did go faster in the first two sections before the gate never opened. And also, here's <laughs> a stat for you, Vince. <laughs> the, uh, capitalist beating the nods on when Blake shinn wrote it for Team Snowden before winning the Golden Slipper. And I think they also did that with Seapoy, beating as a favourite before winning the Golden Slipper. So it is. It has been seen before that a beaten favourite into a big grand final for a two-year-old is not necessarily a negative. In this case, we don't know how good it was, but how, how much did you project forward from its
1: Australia Day win on debut off a good trial? Well, the first thing is because you brought up the horse Sepoy, right? Yeah. I mean, Sepoy is genuine five-length better horse, right? He was a superstar. Yeah, yeah so so let, let's bring that. But in terms of names, I'd say they're even, right? Because <laughs> I love that name, right? High Octane. I love that. Well, here we go. 1.8 lengths below benchmark first section, you articulated everything about when you come out of the gates. So the horse has done plenty of work between the eight and the four, one length above. So putting in a lot of effort and obviously the deterioration for this horse actually really started pretty much when inside the 600. So the horse was already weakening. And you could see, overall, the way I would measure how much of an impact, and this is just for the form students when you're looking at uh, data and sectional times, how much do you have to give the weighting to? What aspects of the race should you really be looking at? I know a lot of people like to focus on and say, okay, out of the gates, and this is what's happened. But the way I like to look at it is they say, all right, this is what's happened to the horse, but what was the real impact? And... When I see it in this case, it's very, very evident. Eight to the six, there it is. This high surge, and if I combine the two from the gates to the eight to the six, and say, okay, there's a th- probably somewhere between one to three lengths more than the rest of the field, and the deterioration then started because it went from one point three above to point three below, then a length below, then three lengths below. So it was the jogging horse- home
2: in traffic—that's
1: the thing, yeah, as well, right? Yeah. So- all these things end up equaling one thing, that this horse would have derived tremendous benefit from it. But what I, why I'm looking at all these aspects is I'm trying to get an understanding how much do I allow over and above the 2.5 below?
2: Yes, that's the unlucky part yeah. versus your data.
1: <laughs> so the maximum, and this is what I'm throwing the kitchen sink at it, is about four and a half lengths. Yep. Now, if we add four and a half to that, what's that give us, Rolfie? Uh, what, one and a half? Gives us plus two. Yep. Oh, four yeah. and a half. Yep. Yeah. So plus two. He's in the race. You're, you're in there big time.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, is it a thin race from a win perspective? I mean, we've covered four horses. Is there is there anything that I'm missing from what's been shown to date?
1: Well, what? Well, what about um, stay focused?
2: Well, he's faultless. I mean, he was good at Geelong. They obviously screwed him down because that was the Blue Diamond qualifier. So this is a layer of trainer intent. Once he won that, he was qualified. So he's run very well and and second to to bodyguard. But with the difference between Stay Focus and bodyguard in the prelude, Stay Focus was already qualified for the uh, Blue Diamond. Bodyguard wasn't.
1: Well, that's beautiful. Firstly, we have a look at the improvement. From the Geelong to the Caulfield, I love it. We've got over two lengths of improvement. Now, in terms of the pattern, it's a, it was a different structure in terms of the races, the way they were run. But the reality was, when I look at the overall merit, this horse also had a pretty sharp drop-off over the last 200 metres. And look at this pattern. Between the 8 and the 6, it's gone half above. Jalonga went 0.4 above. Between the 6 and the 4... Let's let's give this some consideration. The horse went from 0.5 below to 0.6 below, losing over a length of energy efficiency. At Geelong, it actually increased its pace. or we can say, the same pace, 0.5 above. So no inefficiency of uh, energy loss. And then at Geelong, it sort of it dropped off by about three quarters of length and stayed there in terms of its speed. But here, we then see a sharp surge of around 1.2 lengths between the four and the two, and then a drop-off. So I wouldn't see that as being anywhere near what's considered to be good distribution of energy, definitely inefficiency. You'd have to go to the tapes and take a close look of what actually happened to the horse and why, or was it just rider inefficiency?
2: Okay, sometimes the Blue Diamond could be won by the left field one, the one that just has closing speed and peaks on the day. Is there anything among the, uh, the, perhaps the the horses that are likely to relax and be strong late, and I'm talking maybe Matisse or Fearless or Traffic Warden, Any anything amongst those that could be the blowout, particularly for those uh, of our customers who want to take a multi?
1: Well, let's say if you look at a horse like Matisse, right? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, the way it's stormed home over the, over the last 400 metres, you would be just, so excited, right? I mean, 5.1 lengths above last 400. Minutes, that's a sensational sprint, right? Imagine seeing that horse in the lanes, boom, right? Yep. you pretty excited. Uh, not drawn to do that, right, on the inside. So I'd say the probability of that happens is going to be low or then again, you know, in that barrier, who knows? It depends on where you place yourself early. So that could be one runner that could put that big thumping, uh, mer- uh, you know, move in the mid-race. I don't believe they they were even trying through the first half of the race and what I mean by trying they get didn't, it to relax yeah they didn't extend the horse 4.3 get lengths below benchmark first section Rob. they weren't even having a crack they just wanted a big finish and they got it right perfect taper into a grand final who was the other horse that you were saying Robbie? well
2: I should go from that to actually uh and uh, number th- number 12 because Damien Lane Roadbin Also, rode Anisa, That was when running second, of Coleman over the thousand, and he's he's chosen uh, in in So, what type of uh, insight can you have, maybe from a matchup point of view? The market has got Anesa
1: shorter than uh, than Matisse. Well, maybe the stable, the rider's got something to do with that as well. If I'm just looking at pure intel, its profile doesn't indicate that it's better than Matisse. It's particularly on the way it's finished, but what we can see is this two and a half lengths below benchmark first section. Again, nice pace between the eight and the 400. We've seen an increase in speed going plus one last 400 metres. Fantastic. 4.3 lengths above, but no drop off in distribution of energy, Rolfie. Everything pointed to they've Just let's go. And it kept going and hard to fault that type of performance. So now it's just got to make that transition. Up 200 metres, you know it's got some capacity of being able to hold good speed early, which sort of, for me, it indicates a little bit like a couple of other runners that you're going to be able to hold a really good spot in running, and you've got the right rider on board. So from all those things, I would say all positive. But what about this other horse? What price is uh, number 14? Uh, Kuriyangi. Yeah, that's why I wanted to handball that to you, right? <laughs> and
2: you've done it beautifully. So it's mid-teen odds. Brenton Abdullah flown in from Hong Kong for
1: the ride. There's a fair sign of confidence for it. Well, I like the stable as well, but this is crazy. Let's have a really good look at this run at Caulfield. 1.1 1. 1 above benchmark. Savage slowdown between the eight and the four of almost four lengths, Ralphie. And then rebounded. To me, that's very, very hidden. And I see nothing but an explosion coming. And then I look at what it did at Gawler. <laughs> like, I'm just sitting back here saying, what happened here? 8.2 lengths below benchmark first section. And then comes to Corfu and runs almost 10 lengths faster through the first section. So at Gawler, it's gone 8.2 below. was two- track work. It was only against three, three runners. <laughs> Yeah that's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. But what do we get to see? We get to see what's under the bonnet, Ralphie, right? The squeeze was 10.4 lengths. That's fantastic. The sustained pace as well, particularly over the last two sections was awesome. And it got the complete complete reversal laster. So this is a, to me this is a very dangerous horse and probably if there's anything I don't like about it, it's a little bit like Matisse. I'm not in love with the one and two barrier draws. That's all.
2: Yep. Okay. One to put on the table there and we'll talk business tomorrow. and We'll hopefully have some more clarity about uh, uh, about bodyguards' uh, position in the, in the race. The second blue, uh, group one that we'll look at is the Oakley Plate. Vince, they go like Oakley Plate is, as the racing saying. How fast are you forecasting the speed tomorrow?
1: Oh, it's it's a great race, isn't it? It is. Mr. Magic, is that your your starting point? You must have ESP because (laughs) as soon as you said that, I just straight away went back to Cyril Beachy, Mr. (laughs) Magic, and was still like, I guess, oh, I'm going to, I'm not going to say starstruck, right, but I was in awe of how a trainer had so much confidence on a 100-to-1 pop and was urging me to go and back that horse, right? And I couldn't understand why until he explained it to me a little bit later. And probably that's when I fell in love with the clock even more, right? And it it didn't win. It ran second. But 100-to-1, Ralphie. He did say to me going back at each way. So. That's when
2: you started putting the place on side, yeah? Yeah.
1: Well, no, I, I wasn't smart enough then. I was definitely uh, pretty wet around the ears, so I might have thought I was smart, but I certainly wasn't. <laughs> Let's just say I had at least 30 years of experimenting. Fair enough, too. All right,
2: so what's the speed like tomorrow in this uh, Oakley plate? Well, we here... Know, we know there's some fast horses.
1: Well, I'm looking here. One length, two lengths, three lengths, four lengths, could we even go plus five? Three to, three to five's got to be realistic. It's got to be realistic. There's at least three, well, there's probably five horses that want to work out who, who owns the front. And then I look at where they are in terms of gate speed like what lanes you're in what can we expect to see out of that first couple of hundred meters who are the riders who's the one that's most likely to make a mistake right and and overextend and create more havoc everything sort of points though we're on with pace and that actually can make this race a lot easier
2: Well, you see, in the uh, early edition of of race speed profiles for our our customers here, if you can just look at that that little uh, red red uh, red square above above, uh, uh, the uh, the rest of the field, IVR forecast two point eight. Well, once you put that, there's a lot of horses who can't run two point eight. Vince.
1: The sad part is, unless we get a and this is again, I'm just sitting here and. And the memories flood back. That's <laughs> when I first started to realise about the lanes. Yeah, it was it Warham that won the eleven hundred metre Oakley Plate out in the Warham, Yeah, yeah. And just <laughs> you know, a, a phenomenon. I said, "Ed, I said, Ed, this cat win." <laughs> I, I don't want to call it a cat because it's won an Oakley Plate, but I did say that, right? Yeah. But in the moment, I was going, "What? Impossible!" And and I go, "Yeah." How did this horse win this race? Because. Isn't that part of the art of studying? What do you learn from? Because I certainly didn't win in the race because I didn't have that horse, right? Yep. And the reality was I realized after that, that horse never going to win another race because it got such a huge advantage in the lanes. It got into that strip and it was just like a jet, right? And that's why it won. The lanes don't go away. They're still here. So – again, you know, down memory lane and now we're back to reality. You are right, Ralphie. This is a race of very, very little chances and I did give consideration. The good news is this. If there's going to be horses in the lanes, I'm hoping they're the only horses that are going to be in those lanes. Two of them are just like phenomenal, like in terms of ability and they virtually meet the criteria and the rest, they need even a bit more than the lanes. They need traffic jams and all sorts of things.
2: (laughs) So so you've You've gone for your most advantage at this stage with Asfora. Mitch Aiken. this is your life here because I think this is an unbelievable opportunity on the map, and I'll get you to expand, for Mitch Aiken because what we've learnt with this mare is, and we often see this, horses with explosive early talent, if they can be harnessed, and let's say famously Chris Waller did it with Nature's Trip, and they learn to relax, but in new speed on their terms, they're dangerous. If he takes the sit here... He's going to be second or third line. He's all, he's drawn wide, which is great because he will get first crack of those lanes you're talking about because with the rail at four metres, as, as you've said, there's not a lot of work to do to get to the right spot.
1: No, there isn't a lot of work to do at all, Ralphie. So this is a runner that definitely is going to be given that opportunity. So first of all, I like to look at the pattern of this particular runner. So the only variable I'm seeing in my pattern that I had to give some thought to was... If you look at the last three campaigns prior to this current one, we've had 207 days off, about 119 days off, about 140 days, and then we've had 91. So I immediately know when it's 91 that the breaks are very very small, and it's unlikely this horse would have had more than one week out of the stable. It's probably more like a few days. So I have to give all that some thought, and consideration about what does that mean coming into this race but if we're looking at pure performances and not giving any other merit to other aspects then the reality is the way the horse dropped off over the last 200 metres of around two lengths and if I take that as pure conditioning improvement well we're going to see this horse run very very close if not at least every bit as good as the 3.1 it did at Caulfield in October.
2: And that was this track, this distance. Now that day it led, but it was a small field. It did the right thing, controlling the race. Doesn't need to lead tomorrow, I guess, is my, my point. And if there's horses like Najim say, hey, why will not you let it take you into the race rather than try and uh, try and break it open? So I think I think that's a perfect barrier for it, barrier eleven.
1: It should be. It's just all you've got to do is you just got to jump clean, and if you jump clean, then your opportunity is going to be there before you. And I agree with you, Ralphie, As long as he's not. Got these ideas about that I'm going to go across and try and get to the fence. That's bad, right? Yeah. It just needs to blend. And it, it, what do you got? You, you, you don't even have a turn, really, do you? <laughs> you got one bend. You just guarantee, it, yeah. yeah, just golden lane, right? It, that's yeah. what, and the, and it, he should be able to hopefully sip, get the card in, right, and not have to go and say I'm going to throw all the energy at it to try and cross the hole. He doesn't need to. You're right, Ralphie. So it's all about the ride for this horse. And a little bit of uh, consideration to be taken is, is this horse, is the confidence level really high that that's what's going to happen? Or is this horse not going to be able to come back to what it did that campaign because the break was a lot less? Well, everything points to today being
2: trainers' intent. We spoke about this two weeks ago, and I just said, I reckon Henry Dav- Henry Dwyer, rather, Henry Davis, is an ironic uh, flashback. Henry Dwyer has learnt from last year, uh, first up in the Oakley Plate. Whereas this time he and Uncommon James was second up. Uncommon James won the Oakley Plate. This time he's second up. Peak, peak performance. And I read that uh, if it wins, it's going straight to Royal Ascot. So everything's everything's it's grand final day as far as trainer's intent goes tomorrow. Let's see what happens there. King's Gambit is a horse. When we spoke about some uh, horses, we really we did a podcast just on horses. We really want to see emerge this spring. You said this could be the this could be the new rock star barrier one though i'll get your thoughts there uh jamie carve we know your thoughts there so how does he evolve and look as far as being set for this race and they'll be keen group one on the offer for a cult
1: well firstly if it was drawn where Asphora was drawn yes oh well i'm pretty confident it'll beat it would beat as for yep that very confident it'll beat it Drawn one, I can't have the same beating of the chest, right? But goodness me, Ralphie, let's seriously think about that last start. Was it, was seeing, believing, 7.1 lengths below benchmark, first section, this is the last start in October, right? At 1,200 metres, 3.5 above between the 8 and the 4, 9.5 five lengths above benchmark last one. Imagine what this horse would do if it was in the lanes and just had space to itself. It would just be a Bunsen jet, right? Late. And mind you, that's off that pace, but have no illusions. This horse can still run a rock solid plus five off speed that's at least three, four lengths faster than what it faced that day. Yeah. So – it's a three and a half lengths above benchmark horse in terms of its class capability. So make no mistake, this is the horse that's coming in with the highest class profile. Doesn't have the best draw. Oh, yes, what will Jamie do? So this is the challenge, right, for this horse. The, the stable, everything else is, uh, you know, it's all big ticks, Ralphie.
2: Oh, and she, and and if you want to talk about Traders Intent, two barrier trials in Sydney, she's got up to ride... The Horse in those barrier trials, that they've, they've got the mouth guarding tomorrow.
1: They've got the mouth guarding and yeah. they, they should have. And maybe they're just sitting back here saying, We're not worried about that. Yeah, like, you, you know the story, Ralph. You need luck, right? Yeah, can this horse still get into the lanes from, from there? It depends on what Jamie does, right? Just that's it. If she just stays on the fence all the way and waiting for the luck to and the split to come in the home straight. That's you need a lot of guts, but yeah. It's yeah. sad. It's sad because I, I sit here and say, Oh, there's potential to make a lot of money, but I'm just <laughs> looking to saying, Oh my goodness. Why, why would I have that brick wall? Well,
2: uh, one horse that did get in the lane's last art, clearly turned up fit, and clearly Blake Shin's gonna have to do the same tomorrow because it's Kalos. He's an insane price. Uh so what did he actually do with beating for this track, this distance of fortnight back?
1: Yeah, I find this uh, quite quite surprising that – why is this the case now? Weight. We, yeah, weight. Well, oh, what happened to the weight? Well, he's, he, I'm
2: saying that's why the price is because he's carrying 58 kilos. What did he carry that? Oh, I don't know. I mean, what
1: did he carry <laughs> when he won?
2: <laughs> well, he carried 58 and a half kilos. So apparently he's going to be slower because he's carrying the same weight tomorrow.
1: He's going to be slower. Okay. Okay, rightio. up. <laughs> new to the game i'm learning i'm learning i i I should go back to my old toolbox when i used to spend 30 years doing weights and measures and maybe i'll be able to crystallize all that that you just said to me but here's the facts 3.6 lengths below benchmark first section beautiful in the mid race with the weight gone 0.3 above and I'm looking for the where was where'd the weight stop at six point four <laughs> lengths above benchmark last four hundred. Okay, we can allow something for the lanes, but the horse is getting the lanes again. Yeah, it's getting the lanes again. It's only one thing that stands in this horse's way, Ralphie. If it can overcome that run, because it was it was it was fair bit of effort, right? Yeah. No, I need to just give this a little bit more thought to see whether there's been anything that the horse has done similar in the past, but everything points to a repeat. A repeat means you're in the finish. Don't worry about the weight. It's That's not what's going to beat it. The only thing that can beat it is if it's flat.
2: And I guess what you've articulated, though, too, is that there's every chance that it's four and King's Gambit will settle in front of it in the run. So it's going to be a big – it still has to reel them in, but what you're saying is there's no reason if it brings what it did in a fortnight's time, that that's good enough to be in the finish.
1: Well, I just talked about King's Gambit's phenomenal last 400 metres, right? Yeah. Off a speed that was about three lengths slower than Kalos – and then I sort of weigh it up and say, well, if I balance it out in terms of distribution of energy efficiency, what we see is we have two horses that are very, very similar in terms of their explosion over the last 400. One's guaranteed to be in the lanes, right? (laughs) And the other one is going to need miracle runs to get it, right? So, and the class variation between the two, this is, we should touch on this, Rolfie, because when I look at the race matrix we're, we're Kalos, I'm, I scored the horse 2.4 lengths above. The race saying, how about um, 2.8? Like a little yeah. bit better than that, which is, for me, is exciting, right, when I see that. And then I flip it over and say, okay, let's look at the other runner. And, of course, this is King's Gambit and say, okay, what's the difference between the two? There's about a half length between them. There's not much, Ralphie. About a half a length. That's it.
2: One's $14, one's $440, uh, four four sixty. Um, so we'll finish on this race with uh, with Benedetta. I can't help thinking this is this year's Asphora in that really promising Philly uh turn mare. Different race pattern, sure, because it's a dropout storm home horse. But it's coming into this race first up and it hasn't had that run that just like Asphora last year. We know it's a talent. We know it's probably still got upside like a lot of good mares do when they get older, but has it got the right setup to run to a big enough figure because, as you're saying, you're expecting this to be 2.8 and a low,
1: a good quality race? Well, the horse hasn't had that many races at this distance. It's only had three, so it's not like it's had like a million races at 1,100 metres, but that run at Flemington, if we go back to August of '23 when it produced a 1.3 above, best of the day. There's not a lot you can't like about that. 0.4 below benchmark first section, excellent in the mid-race between the 8 and the 4 going 3.1 above. Overall last 400 metres was 2.6 above. It actually had a little bit of a, a, just a little bit of inefficiencies between the 4 and the 2, not not enough to sort of make a dramatic difference of around 0.4, but still just, gave me the franking that this horse probably could could have put down a slightly higher score here we are we're fresh they've obviously had a a very strategic tactic to say this is the way we're going to handle this it's quite a capable trainer so i sit back here and say well here you are you do have to get a new pb is this going to be all day so my understanding is this ralphie even if you don't get a new PB, you do need a little bit of bad luck from a couple of other horses for you to get victory.
2: And we should finish with Scripper. Now, we did a bonus episode on our uh, on our Monday podcast yep. uh, when it was $4.50, and, uh, and you just said, this is insanely short. The market's cotton onto that now even, and hasn't had a race since, so it's obviously just weighing everything up. It's now out to $9. And he's been a summer star, but this is new gravy.
1: It is, but the horse has been also going superbly, right? Yeah. Last two runs, you just look at it, 1.2, one length above. It's very, very consistent. Loves the 1,100 metres, loves this track. When we talk about inefficiency. There was clear inefficiency on the 26th of the 12th. I mean, it's gone from 1.8 lengths below benchmark to plus 3.1, then lost almost three lengths. The, the question is, it's hard for this horse to put down a new PB. It's hard, right? It's not going to be easy. You've got to find a couple of links, or we need bad luck. I I just believe these horses, those last two horses we talked about, really comes back down to they need to see other horses have bad luck in running.
2: All right. uh, This is a group one that we won't spend much time on, for obvious reasons. Mr. Brightside, is there any reason that you think Mr. Brightside is vulnerable tomorrow in the futurity stakes?
1: What what did you say the target was for this horse all star mile next start yeah, well it's really weird this this is actually a really tough 1400 meter race right and yes you are right Ralphie it's hard I mean if the horse turns up just does what it did last start then you know victory is there to be taken and is the horse to beat but I just sort of sit here and say, on the same token, if there's ever a horse is ever going to be beaten, it will be tomorrow at the same time. So it's not good when I have those thoughts. I don't like those thoughts. It's not a dream, it's a thought. Yeah. And I just look at the profile of the, of the race and what everybody does at 1,400 metres, and I just felt that if there's going to be any vulnerability of being beaten. This will be the day that you get beaten. There is the possibility that a couple of other horses might be, you know, very targeted for this race, more so than Mr. Brightside. See, I just didn't have the same concerns first up for whatever reason. I'm sure we discussed it at the time. But here I'm just sitting back here saying, are you going to repeat that? You're going to feel a little bit of flatness from that last start run. The surge was not giving me that indication, but it was good speed, first section, you know, nice sharp elevation between the 8 and the 400 before tanking out. And the tank out was there, so the horse had a real crack. And you could see, look at the energy distribution, Ralphie. Eight to the six plus three, six to the four, 1.6 above, four to the two plus one. So what have we got? We've got a two-length decline in energy efficiency, even though it's coming over the top of the field, right? Yeah. Then the last 200 metres, 0.4. So this horse has been able to beat the competition slowing. But that's not slowing. Because the horse wants to go slow, it's slowing because it's you know using maximum energy. And so that's the reason
2: this race last year, it was at sandown, but he ran second to Alligator Blood. And you go, well, beauty, there's Group One form, and it was. But I guess what you're saying here is, tell me if I'm articulating you the right way. He's a dollar fifty. You're taking a dollar fifty, as we saw as recently as seven days ago with uh, Jimmy Star. You need everything in a, in the row. Last year in the futurity, he ran two lengths above benchmark when he ran second to Alligator Blood. If he runs two lengths above benchmark tomorrow, he's so vulnerable. It's not funny because there are other horses in that race who can clear it.
1: Well, if he runs two lengths above benchmark tomorrow, he won't finish in the first four. That's what I'm saying. So at a dollar
2: fifty, so he has to he has to do more than he did second up uh, two preps back in this race and last prep two point three above benchmark when he won the uh, when he won the Memsey second up. So again, two point three probably won't be enough.
1: No. So the key for this horse, in my view, is going to be what will Buffalo River really do up front, Ralphie?
2: Well, this is what I'm going to ask you because I think the other horse is also on the on the quick back up there. Hey, fat cat! But there's every chance Buffalo River, as an eight year old, can be flat a fortnight later.
1: Well, this is what I'm trying to understand. So let's let's say this horse is flat. Yep. Right. What will that mean? The speed will be for this horse. Now, if I look at past history, and now, I'm just going to look at last campaign. I'm not going to go too deep, right? When the horse has gone, one of the runs was a Caulfield 19th to the 8th, went 5.4 above. Oh, unbelievable, even between the 8 and the 4, but a subsequent start went 1.1 below. Then we can go real recent, October. We can go to November before it had the freshen up. Even then, like from that run of 8.5 below to 4.7 below. But the other run that I wanted to point out was back in April of 23 at Sandown when it went 4.5 above and then it went 2.6 below the subsequent start. The only variable there is, though, Ralphie, and this is why I was asking the question, is... That first up run, that campaign at Sandown down in April, it did go 8.2 above and then backed up 21 days later with a 4.5. This one's only 14. Yeah. So I'm sitting here saying, this horse might go benchmark first section, minus one. Yep. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is if that's the case and we've got one to three lengths below benchmark, that helps bright side. It does help it. Yeah. It does help because it just means we've got no pace early and it's going to to get down to a 600-metre sprint, 400-metre sprint. And as long as you're inside four lengths, you've probably got the possibility of being too good, potentially. Now, is that the case? Or could someone else like Mark Zaru, could he ensure that there's more pressure? Or could it be, well, I don't know about Jamie Carr. Will she want to own that? They're all going to just say, whatever Buffalo does, we're going to do.
2: Well, I guess what the one thing, and we articulated this on the Monday, both Pericles and Munemac were in an impossible race shape. And Pericles, unusually for him, didn't really show speed. But if he brings his Golden Eagle second, where he showed speed, I think he led. But this day, t- tomorrow, you know, Jamie will probably take the sit on Buffalo River. Well, all of a sudden, he's the type of horse who can who can rebound hard. And uh, and then what? Here, I'll, I'll marry it up here. It's a dollar fifty. If he does what he's done the past two starts, second up, he is vulnerable at a dollar fifty. Yeah. There you go. There's the
1: facts. So something well, has to boot it, of course. <laughs> so, well, this is then it comes down to the professionalism about the illusions of the traps, right? Yeah. Because that means there's no value, therefore you should be backing another horse with value. And my view always is, and I didn't have this view years ago, is no, your first instance needs to be you need to back the best horse. And unless you've got, you know, plenty of conviction why that horse can't win. Only then should you consider the next best option. Otherwise, you should stay out.
2: So we're nearly at an hour. So what I'm going to do? Do oh, really? this really quick. Last race: Road right to Arataki, Vagrant, Revolutionary Miss, uh, Eternal Flame. It seems priced on the unlucky nature of the run, uh, but I suppose from from a business point of view, or from a thing to – Take into account, we'll talk talk business tomorrow, wrote to Arataki's first up uh, 1,400-metre profile, not first up, 1,400-metre profile is very strong. It's $10 rods. It had an impossible race shape first up in a fast 1,200 going forward, but that can be the elevator.
1: Well, I've got to cry. (laughs) If I just look purely at profile and nothing else and don't look look at some patent recognition, I want to launch into this horse tomorrow, right? I want to launch into it. And then I overlay it with a pattern profile and I go, it makes me sick, right? Because it doesn't meet the pattern profile. Why? 196 days from a spell, it had one, two, three, four runs, and it peaked in the third run in 1,400 metres, plus 1.2. Then went to Caulfield, fourteen hundred point six 0.6 above. Matrix saying it's better than that. Has 28 days off, back to November. Doesn't do anything like it done in the past, but used a lot of energy through the first two sections. And then has this awful 77 days off. Awful for me, right? Awful. Like, I get sick in the stomach, right? And, you know, this is the problem, right, about what does that mean? Because we've done a lot of simulation work. Now, the bounce was negative, not positive, right? Yeah. So it does open the door. We have seen performances when you have this type of simulation, they go negative and they rebound on the second run, right? They rebound on the second run and then that's it. So it could be possible that this trainer fluked it, right? Yep. Possible. And we get the opportunity. What price is this horse? $10. Oh, it's just a joke, right? So you now have to make a decision. We'll t- talk about it tomorrow, right? Yeah. From a money perspective. We've got to make a decision. Okay, how do we want to move the chessboard? But for myself, on a personal level, I'm going to call it right now. I'm either betting in this race and backing that, this horse or I'm staying out. It's going, And we're going to talk about what amount of risk should one take on it. <laughs>
2: Race six, we'll finish with this as far as the features go. And like I said, tomorrow we'll cover every race and talk business. But from race six, Peter Young stakes. The favourite is Gold Trip and Campionessa. They're probably both high twos from Zenzilla at $6. At the moment you've got most advantage is Zenzilla, who's come back faultlessly this time in. Foxy Cleopatra is another horse who had an impossible race shape before night back against it.
1: Well, this is another great race. Now yeah. I understand why you and Paul were clapping hands about saying this is a good <laughs> card. Absolutely. Oh, no, it is a good card. It's a great card. Gold trip, eh? Gold trip. Wow. Well, we know how good it is, Ralphie, on its day. We, we just know. This is a horse that's got super talent. What are you going to do with it? 1800, I just feel 1,800 metres is a great place to start. I look at the break that it's had. It's just perfect. It's over the 100 days I that sort of breaks all the patterns i love yeah. that right and i feel very very comfortable when i see that so what are we looking for we're looking at yard we're looking at um has the horse had any barrier trials you know i'm just looking here just, yeah
2: yeah it is okay Tip let's two. just have a look yep. yeah, Turn, doing yeah. What
1: yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah that 1400 uh, yeah that was actually a good tr- that was actually a very good trial ralphie okay so i can't knock the horse in any way at all, right? And yeah. It has to be the starting point. So, who's the second favourite? Number seven,
2: champion of the Kiwi. So, I suppose that it brings some different form. What can you tell us about the Kiwi? Well, oh, the last, <laughs> yeah,
1: the last start run of two thousand metres was Benchmark. So, you know we are at Flemington profile form. So, this horse hasn't miraculously improved yep. of brand new levels. It's running bang on its profile of when we've seen it in Australia in March. 23, where produced 0.1 below benchmark. I mean, Race (laughs) Matrix was saying is about 0.7 above. So that's where the horse is at. The only difference is last start it ran second, and it sort of brings the excitement that maybe we're a far superior horse, but that was just 0.2 above, Ralphie.
2: Yeah, I, I, I can't get it anywhere near oh, yeah. as short as the market. So there we go. That's interesting. And uh, like I said, I, Foxy Cleopatra, race shape was impossible for it last start. Mm-hmm. What, what's your matrix say here? Because it was a big mid race and blinkers first time tomorrow screams intent.
1: Mm, interesting. Well, you got the answer. Nine links below benchmark first section. That already creates a lot of havoc for a horse. But the mid-race move, to show you where you're at in terms of your conditioning Pro it's fantastic. It was a 11.3 length squeeze, 0.9 above benchmark last 400. But, Rolfie, you do have to ask yourself the question, where is the horse at in terms of brakes? How much more can it improve? The answer, from my perspective, is firstly, from an improvement point of view, It's hard for this horse still not to come on at least a length, and and the pattern's slightly different here. We've got to remember, this horse came off a 369-day break. Yes. It's very, very different in terms of how you prepare and get yourself ready. Now, mind you, I looked at all the lead-ins to that long break. It did have plenty of jump-outs and trials, so they tried to get it into a position, but it's hard to fault this horse, but... It's no gold trip though, right? No,
2: well, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a fair bit of clarity. And we've discussed the lanes, even though this is a smallish field. I I reckon I know where Mark Zara is going to be ending up by by about the 200-meter mark. Well, in a lot of
1: ways, they're probably going to gift this race to the horse, the gold trip. This is the worst competition it's going to get for the season. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> All right, no, well, not, no, that, no, I'm, him, no,
1: I'm not no, knocking him, Ralphie We've
2: we've passed the hour mark tomorrow. It'll be ten to fifteen minutes, and we'll just be talking business. Hope you you hope you like the insights that we've given you. We like the fact that you've become a customer via Year Round Carvel. Really appreciate your support, and we'll talk in the morning post scratches.